Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Blake, we are live. Coming from Michigan, I'm over here in Blacksburg. How you doing, man? Hey, Chris. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on tonight. Should be uh, fun to connect here. Yeah, so a little bit of quick so the audience kind of knows what we're getting into here and, you know, what avenues we might go down. But you are a senior wealth strategist. Is that kind of what basically the yes. title? Yes, that, that's a good – yes, I would fall into that category. Okay, so let's uh, give everyone a little bit of background, like what that is and how you got into it, and we'll see where this conversation goes from there. Sure. So for me, you know, I had always really been interested in business, um, in finance, and entrepreneurship. I think really it started back when I was young. I used to caddy quite a bit, so that was kind of my my job growing up. Um, you know, starting at thirteen, pretty much did it all the way uh, throughout college, and I would work for you know you with caddy and you get to spend four or five hours walking with guys who are pretty successful at what they've done. You know, they've been able to, uh, do well enough that they're playing golf on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever the case may be. But I was always just curious as to what they did. I often found that they would just answer things like, well, I own this business or I used to run this business and I sold it. It always revolved around business and being able to play golf on a Tuesday afternoon, as I mentioned, always sounded attractive to me. But um, I got to learn a lot from those those type of guys I worked with. So when I went to college, I studied entrepreneurship. I kind of sought out, at that point, one of the only schools in the country that had an actual entrepreneurship major, which was in Pennsylvania. So ended up going there um, and learned about some kind of financial type of strategies when I was uh, in college. And so I, I started to go down the finance route. As I left college, kind of entered the financial world, I was involved with a firm that did pretty typical financial planning, right? So I was able to sit with some older advisors, just kind of shadow meetings. Um, and one of the things that I quickly picked up on is people who had kind of gone all down that traditional wealth accumulation path, a lot of the places where their money was sitting or what they had done pre-retirement, um, they didn't necessarily love where they were positioned at, you know, 60, 65 or whatever age that they were going to, to, to then, um, want to retire. They, I never got the sense that a lot of these people were super successful in terms of retirement planning. So that kind of led me down, 
a different path of saying, okay, are there better ways to manage money, to create cash flow, to save for the future, to build, you know, freedom for ourselves financially? And that's kind of how I got on uh, the journey of of kind of what led me to where I am today. So without going too much in, I'll, I'll kind of pause there. Oh, that's good, man. That was great. I had a bunch of questions on that. It was what you're talking about, you know, being a caddy and everything kind of reminded me of the movie Caddyshack. But yeah. Well, if you, yeah, I mean, on a typical round Caddyshack reference gets brought up at least three times. I would say that would be a typical 18 hole round. Yeah. I don't doubt it, man. But uh, yeah, just, it's cool from a young age that you really saw that and you kind of like, Ooh, you started being able to kind of surround yourself with those type of people and start picking their brain. And that, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes, you know, I had some guy on here, we were talking about, you know, networking in college where, yeah. Yeah, we're like when you start to, you know, you're told to go to these, you know, mock job interviews and, you know, try to go network as much as you can. And this, but is it out there initially? Or is it just kind of like, hey, it's here if you want it, but nobody's going to actually force you to go get it. But you seemed like you were one of those people at a young age who were just like, oh, let me just start picking this guy's brain. I mean, did that just come naturally to you or is that something that? Well, I know my parents had encouraged it. They were like, hey, you know, you're working with some pretty cool people. Um, you know, I mean, they're at country clubs, right? So they've obviously done something successful enough and get to know a little bit about them. But I, I do think it it was probably innate that I was born uh, mm-hmm. with that with that kind of line of thinking of just questioning, wanting to know. One of the cool parts, I mean, about being young is people are very open to sharing. And this is really serve me well is if if you get people talking about what they're passionate about they're very willing to share things um v- freely so for instance like if you're talking to someone with, with about the business that that they created right these guys have spent 30 years building up this business maybe they sold it so they're very proud of what they were able to build mm-hmm. if you start getting them talking about those type of things they're they're very willing to share you know they're they're, they're going down that road and they're happy to kind of dialogue about that so if you just keep asking the right questions you can you can learn a lot and i think i did at a younger age yeah sounding like it so and and i agree though with you too that it does sound like when people when you start asking questions about what they're passionate about it's like that book how to influence friends and win others or whatever it's called but like yeah yeah yeah. yeah, when you get them talking about something that they truly are passionate about like you said that you know they're happy to share and they're happy that somebody's taking an interest in it especially at a certain age that you know, it's one of those things, I guess what I'm asking is about like, as far as networking and stuff like that, I wish I had people who were, I surrounded myself with who could let, let me in on like the trials and tribulations and obstacles and challenges and everything they had to overcome and what they wish they would have known 20 years ago that they know now. And, you know, not that I'm saying that would have helped me or anything, but it's just nice to at least exploit that opportunity when you had it. I hope I said that right. Exploit that. opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think you, I mean, I've listened to some of the episodes in your show. It sounds like you're able to kind of do that through the podcast. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. That's one thing that, you know, that is, uh, what is what I'm saying? A pro of podcasting now that, you know, yeah. Am I going to ever beat a Joe Rogan out? Probably not. But as far as the network and relationships that I'm building just through this, it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Building that and learning what, you know, people like yourself have done and how do you got to point A to point B to point C and stuff like that. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think if you just, at least if you take the humble route and you show a genuine interest in people, you know, they're, they're very willing to share. So I got to do that at a young age. You get to do that in a way with the podcast, you know, you have guests on and you can, you know, it gives you an opportunity to ask them questions about their lives and, talk about stuff that they're interested in and for sure it's fun for sure what's it like 
graduated or not grad? Well, you graduated, but what is it like going to university for an entrepreneurship degree that, you know, like you said, was there only one school that was in a country that actually had that or something? Yeah. There certainly weren't many. So okay. it was really the only one that I knew that had an entrepreneurship actual major. So what's it like? Well, in some ways, it's it's different because the the kids who might be an accountant or an engineer, they're learning a specific skill or trade that they can then take to the workforce, right? right. So with entrepreneurship, I think it's a little different. So the school I went to was pretty cool, but more of, I think the, the biggest takeaway that I have was just thinking differently about how to solve problems. Hmm. So, I mean, we would have classes and they weren't all like this, but there, you know, I remember one specifically where the teacher didn't really have much of an agenda. He's like, okay, what problems have you had today? Um, someone's bringing up, well, my, the frost on my car took too long and my car was freezing cold. And, and we're having conversations like, okay, how would we solve that problem? How could you make, how could you make a business solving that problem? Sure. So I think a lot of what I learned was just more of the mindset of how do we, how do we get better at things? How do we solve people's problems? And then can we make a business and profit off, you know, helping other people improve their lives? Yeah. Well, that seems to be one of the things or the common themes with, if you want to say human civilization, species, culture, society, whatever, that we're always trying to make things better, easier, faster for everybody, you know, and just, you know, look, you know, what the world was like and when did the iPhone come out? 2006. And now it's, we just got iPhone 14 and just how yep. much revolutionized the whole world, you know, and just that that's one common theme that we're always just trying to make things better, you know, no matter how shit the world is or whatever. That's what seems like most people can agree on. Let's do this better, easier, faster, stronger, all that good stuff. So yeah, I agree with you that, and you need people like yourself to think outside the box rather than just kind of go along with the status quo and the social norm of everything. And, you know, okay, what's look at this in a different light rather than just what everyone else is always doing, you know, cause I was always on that road of like, Hey, go to school, get a job, retire, and you'll be just fine rather than just like, Hey, you know, there's other different routes you can go. You know, it was like, Hey, here's your straight and narrow path. Just do that. So, and maybe yeah. that's the safe side. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't think that that's wrong for everyone. I mean, I was probably wired a little bit differently, certainly to enjoy trying to think about different things in a different way. I think it's probably helped me with, again, what I'm doing um, professionally now, which is helping people think a little bit differently about accumulating wealth and how to utilize it and save it in the most efficient manner. Um, but going back to what you were saying about solving people's problems, I mean, that's what capitalism, I hate when it kind of gets ripped on in today's world. So take the iPhone. It's like, how happy are we to go spend a thousand bucks on an iPhone 14? Like how much value is that bringing to me? Now, I personally don't, get mad that someone who revolutionized my life is getting very wealthy off sure. doing that. Right. Cause I'm voluntarily going to the Apple store and paying them a thousand bucks. I don't know. I, I don't have the 14, but I go for the little bit less, but Hey, you know, I'm still spending a lot of money. I mean, think about during COVID Amazon, you know, you, you hear some people criticizing how wealthy uh, a Jeff Bezos got, but it's like, yeah, but I'm like, I got, I have packages showing up to my house every single day and all my neighbors have, I'm like, our country couldn't have functioned probably the world, but at least around me couldn't have functioned in the way that we did had this business not had been established. Right. So 
Yeah, I mean, that is really what what leads civilizations to grow is incentivizing people to solve other people's problems and make make life better. Yeah. Well, I wonder if people say, you know, like, oh, I hate capitalism, blah, blah, blah. And it's just because they think they're supposed to say it in the company they're in. Just because, you know, obviously you've ever heard like, you know, you change around your morals and values depending on who, what company you're in at the time. It's like, oh, wait, did you freeze up on me? Yo, you're back. You, I, I totally lost that question. So, All right, so yeah. Um, so I was wondering, oh, I think my internet just kind of went out for a minute, but um, that's my train of thought. Do you think so that, you, yeah, oh, capitalism. So I think that people, there we go, that they say they don't like capitalism, but just because of it's like what you're supposed to say, depending on what company you're in. But they really, you know, like you said, it's made life so much easier where you can just get packages in two days and food delivered and you don't even have to leave your doorstep and worry about and if you were scared of covid you don't have to worry about you know i'll just stay in here i'm good to go you know i guess that's my question though do you just think that people just kind of say things just because it's trendy and edgy and they don't really know what it is or what they're believing in or what they're actually saying to out loud that could be true i mean i think if you i don't frankly i just don't know how much history people have studied on you know what other um system has lifted you know as many people out of poverty so yeah i think it might be the the case that people either just don't know it does sound trendy i mean that's certainly the way of the of the culture now is just to kind of rip on those type of things but i think if you stop to think about it uh or maybe if i was able to have a conversation with someone i could probably convince them that uh solving other people's problems is going to happen most often when people have a way to profit by solving other people other people's problems yeah, I mean, you know, if you get really good at something, you know, and you want to make a profit off of it, just being a private business or whatever, rather than like having to stay use it. I mean, I don't understand what the issue is, you know, just because if you're really good at helping people financially, I mean, while and I'm not, and then like I don't mind paying for that luxury or whatever you want to say to get that benefit out. And just that, I don't get why people, what's, what's the argument there? Like, Oh, I, I hate cap. Maybe this is not a capitalism yeah. podcast, but I don't get what, yeah. what, 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 like, Oh, it all should be equal no matter what. Right. But you know, well, yeah, I'm not in favor of that. I mean, I even have a five-year-old um, right now who I'm, I'm trying to introduce a few of these concepts too of like how the world works. And cause he doesn't really get to see what I do. Right. It's not something sure. that I'm doing in front of him. So, you know, like, let's say I'll go to the barber shop and I'll have him pay money. You know, I've, I'll have him hand the barber, the money for the, the haircut. And then it's like, that gives me an opportunity to say, Hey, look at dad went to work. He added value to someone's life. I received money for that. Right. And then we're able to use this money to go get all these other things, um, for people that we want like a haircut. So I can't give you as good of a haircut as the barber can, but the reason that this works is because I'm working on this end, doing what I'm good at. So sure. helping people in some way and receive compensation. And then that compensation then can be distributed for all the things that you and I want to go do. When you are working and you're helping people, I mean, you kind of said, maybe a little bit earlier, but are, is there a certain age group that you seem to be working with the most just because, uh, you know, like I said, before we started this podcast, you know, like as far as being a financial person, like that's not my mindset, you know, I've, I've dabbled in it, but as far as taking deep dives or anything, yeah. that's not me, but, or is it like, I think you talked about people who were almost getting ready to retire then kind of figuring out that, Ooh, wait, maybe I'm not ready. You know, is there a certain age demographic that you kind of seem to go towards first or is it just kind of hit and miss or? Yeah. So my overall thing is 
is we're not working with people specifically purely with the goal to, to retire. So let me kind of back up. Uh, I think the general philosophy, and you kind of mentioned this earlier is, excuse me, go to work or, you know, get an education, go to work for 30, 40 years, accumulate a nest egg. Mm -hmm. And then once you had that nest egg is big enough, spend that nest egg down during quote unquote retirement. Right now, where I was starting to see the the holes in that necessary that thinking is like, well, it takes a lot a lot of money to be able to accumulate enough capital in these, you know, 401ks, IRAs, whatever you're saving in for retirement or a combination of those, to be able to then just spend that down over a 30-year a time period. So what we help people do is is really increase the cash flow that they're bringing into their life. So as opposed to investing into places like, uh, again, 401ks, IRAs, where you're just trying to build up the number as high as you can, what, oh. we, t- what we take people is, okay, if you're making a, a good income and you're saving money, how can we invest that money in a way that's going to bring cash flow back into our life right now? Because what we're finding is it's much easier to replace your income if you have passive income streams or passive cash flow streams than just trying to accumulate millions of dollars in an account. And you can do that a lot quicker um, using some of these kind of alternative um, investing and alternative cash flow uh, streams and strategies that that we help people implement. Well, what kind of strategies are we talking here? You know, I know you said about investing and stuff, but it's like for someone like myself, mid thirties, you know, maybe more high risk stuff to go into and versus somebody who's in there getting ready to retire. Yeah. So we work with a lot of people who are already down this cash flow investing kind of route. So what I mean by that, what most people will understand is real estate, right? So you can invest in real estate and there's benefits, there's pros and cons to investing in real estate. But one of the benefits is that you're creating cash flow into your life right now. So if I invest into uh, Bitcoin, while I'm not oppose it all to investing in Bitcoin. It's more speculative, as you mentioned. At the end of the day, you're still trying to accumulate capital in in Bitcoin that you eventually are going to deplete at some point. So it it might take you a while to accumulate enough that you can say, hey, I can just live off the the fruits of my Bitcoin investment. Where if you invest in real estate, uh, again, there's, there's multiple ways to do it, but just very high level one of the cool parts is okay now i have cash flow coming into my life right now so i'm i'm already seeing the benefits of in, of this investment um you know maybe a couple months into doing it like i can actually go spend this money and live off it or i can accumulate it go buy more real estate so something like real estate uh investing in businesses there's all types of things out there but really what we do is is help people invest for cash flow and then add kind of efficiencies to how they're doing that mm. Is it tough right now, especially with, I guess we're coming, we're out of the pandemic right now, but is it tough to kind of, or, or to help people to try to get into this and start investing and inherit some of these strategies? Because more people are kind of more like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing anything right now, you know, just because of technically some people say we're in a recession, you mm-hmm. know, what, Amazon or is it Amazon or Microsoft just laid off some employees, you know, quote unquote recession and that people are kind of scared to do a lot of things with their money, especially. So is it kind of tough right now getting people into this and, or is it? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it depends on what people are doing. So what, what I help people with specifically is enhance what they're already doing on that side. So I'm not coming to people saying, hey, here's all these investment options of what you can do. Absolutely. So a lot of a lot of what we do at our group, which is Money Insights, is take people who are already investing in these type of assets, who are already down this 
kind of cash flow investing route and just teach them strategies on on how to add efficiencies and really how to do that better. Okay. That's yep. good sense now. Okay, cool. Um so I mean is are, the, are these strategies you came up with just on your own and stuff that you know that works and does it work that works for Blake or is it just stuff that you kind of learn just growing up, you know, talking to people on the golf course or whatever. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. So some of these, like some of the core strategies that we do now, I actually learned in college. So speaking of entrepreneurship, so I like had a professor who ran e-commerce businesses. Right. And so he was like, Hey Blake, you should check out these strategies using life insurance. So I use life insurance as a way to, to hub my cash or create like a, a pool of cash that I then have access to, to go invest in, build my e-commerce businesses. So he uses these life insurance policies as a funding source Hmm. to grow his business. So when I got out of college, one of the, again, one of the things that I was realizing is, okay, I'm going into business. I think the best kind of rate of return that I'm going to get is growing businesses. Like that's where I want to make my money is trying to grow businesses. And so I looked at, okay, where are places that people are putting their money? Most of the places that we're told to put our money are places that we don't have access to. So like a 401k, an IRA, uh, pay off your house as quickly as possible. Now, are those things bad? No, I don't think they're bad. It's just that most of the typical financial advice out there is like all about locking up your money, whether giving it over to banks or Wall Street. Again, I'm not here hating on that, but for me, if you believe like, so for me personally, I'm like, okay, I think the best rate of return that I'm going to get is growing businesses, trying to solve problems. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I know I'm going to need capital to do that. And so I started saving my own personal money into some some of these life insurance policies and life insurance strategies. And the reason I'm doing that is because my money's going to be in there. It's going to be safe, but it's going to be liquid. I can access it at any time and it's going to grow much more efficiently than it would in a bank account. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be put my money in here. I have liquidity over this. I'm going to get a decent rate of return. It has these tax advantages. But then whenever I see opportunities to invest or to whether that's in my business or outside of my business, I have access to capital to go do that. Ooh, okay. And and, and talking, you know, I've had a couple of people on here who you know, have the financial background and like they were actually talking about, and I just want to get your thoughts on this about, I think it was like infinity banking and also, yeah. okay. Infinity banking. And there was another one that was, um, you borrow from yourself basically out of your 401k to go mm-hmm. start a, whatever it is, a new business or whatever you want to do, but you don't have to pay the penalties within a certain amount of years or something like that. Does the, does the term self-directed IRA? come to mind or is that not what you're talking about maybe i don't okay i just yeah there was something along those terms that i just remember you you could take out maybe out of an ira 401k and that you didn't have to pay the policies for six amount of years but it was like enough capital you're borrowing from yourself so that you could start the business sure. I don't know. So, so maybe that yeah. was it could be but yeah you can enlighten me on that too yeah so i the the common term is called um infinite banking so not infinity but infinite banking so that's that that is kind of down the line of what we're doing. Um, we refer to this, it's a similar strategy. It's a little bit different, but we refer to it as the investment optimizer. So the reason that I bring that up is because again, we're taking people who are already cash flow investors or their business owners, their high income earners. And they're like, man, 
I'm not hating on like the traditional way of building wealth, but maybe I I also want to do some of these alternative type of things. I want to invest for cash flow, and the investment optimizer strategy is is somewhat similar to infinite banking, uh, in where you're you're using these overfunded life insurance policies as a way to add some more return to what you're what you're getting on the investment side. So that's kind of down the line of it. So we don't really believe necessarily in like this, the infinite banking system per se, although a lot of what we do is very similar to that. But it's really taking people who are already in this kind of cash flow investing world and just helping them do that a little bit better than what they were doing before. I guess for my sake and even the audience's sake, can you explain basically what infinite banking kind of is in a nutshell? Okay. So <clears throat> where it gets misconstrued is it's, so it's, it's using a special type of, of life insurance policy, but it's not using that as your investment. So when people, a lot of the people who don't like the strategy or will kind of write it off, will say, well, I could get a much better rate of return in the stock market or whatever. Sure. And that is true. That is very much true. You're, you'll you'll get a higher rate of return in your investment. So what infinite banking or the investment optimizers, I like to call it is, is, is using a very special type of life insurance as a financing tool, essentially. So it's replacing what where you're storing your capital in between deals. So let's say I'm a real estate or Chris, let's say you're a real estate investor. Yeah. Okay. So you what what would typically happen is you're going to build up money in a bank account, right? You need it somewhere safe and liquid. Most people are using just savings accounts. You want to go buy a piece of real estate, you liquidate that bank account. Now it's producing cash flow for you. Where does that cash flow go? Right back into the bank account. So people may love what they're doing, investing in real estate or business, whatever they're doing, but they don't like what their money's doing for them in the meantime, right? In the bank account, it's it's safe and liquid, but it's not earning anything, no tax benefits, nothing like that. So what this strategy is all about is saying, okay, let's replace the bank account with these um, life insurance policies that have a lot of characteristics as the bank. So our money's safe. It can never go backwards. It's liquid. I can grow my money tax-free, but over my life, I'm going to earn 4 or 5% rate of return, again, tax-free. There's creditor protection, stuff like that. But then the cool part is, and this is probably what one of your other guests mentioned, is you can actually borrow against it. So when you're doing that, you keep your money in the policy, but you're able to take a loan against it. So let's say I have $100,000 in this policy and I'm like, oh, real estate opportunity for, and I'll put 75 grand in down payment. I call up the life insurance company and say, hey, send me 75 grand. Sure. When you do that, that's actually the life insurance company's money that's being sent to you. And your cash is serving as the collateral for that loan. Okay, now I go put that 75K in my real estate deal. And- what did I do by doing that? Well, all my money is in the policy, earning all those benefits I was talking about. And I have the real estate growing for me. Uh, so so how do we, when I'm saying add efficiency, well, now I have my money working in two places for me at once. So by using the strategy in conjunction with what you're doing on the investing side, you're just able to accumulate wealth quicker. Hmm, okay. I, I don't that. know if that made sense. I don't know yeah, if that was the, yeah, the, but, the sixth grade level, but maybe that was a little, yeah, maybe that was the ninth grade uh, level. It's, pick, it's picking me, I'm picking up some of it. It's just like the more I kind of have these discussions about it and, you know, keep hearing it more than I can actually just kind of start to do it. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Pick it up on my own. But mm-hmm. you know, like you said, that some people would say investing in the stock market is a higher rate of return. I think that's what you said. But is that only if you actually know what you're doing in the stock market? Well, I, I think when, because you'll have a lot of people, if you just listen to mainstream media, financial media, they'll be like, oh, buy term insurance, invest the difference. And what they're saying is, yeah, if you put your money into a, for, I don't know, whatever mutual fund over the life of the, over the you know, 40 years that you invest in that, you'll probably earn 7%, 10%. I don't know what they t- say. <laughs> Where if you put your money in life insurance, you're only earning 5%. So the miss, I think the miss there is the that life insurance policy isn't the investment, right? We're using, we're then using that cash to go fund another investment that we can get a high rate of return, hopefully. Um, when it comes to your specific question on only if you know what you're doing in, in the stock market, I think most of it, in my opinion, is pretty plug and play. Like financial advisors might have a couple ideas of where you can put your money. That's frankly not the world that I dabble in. So I don't know. What do people normally get in the stock market long-term? Seven, 8%, 10%? I I, I really don't know. Whatever they think they're going to get. Well, I, I guess the reason I asked that, just because, you know, with the whole GameStop debacle, what a few yeah. years ago now that I think, I forgot where I read it at or some article, and I don't know what the source was, but you know, the stock market saw an increase in funds because almost everybody thought they could get rich, right? Yeah. People from GameStop, right? But I think, or obviously, I think most people found out, like, ooh, maybe it's not as easy as it all may seem to be. And so I guess that's kind of why I asked that. So like if people thinking that, oh, you know, hey, let me put in two grand into X stock right now and just hope it's, you know, watch it go to the moon, as they say, right? Yeah. And, oh, wait, it's down to 50 bucks now. <laughs> Well, I think putting two grand in that might be kind of fun every once in a while. If you're like, hey, I could light two grand on fire, but it'd be fun to see if it just turns up to 50, then doing GameStop seems like the way to go. Uh, But uh, probably don't want to be doing that with a sizable portion of your wealth. Well, all right. So going back, though, you know, you said something about term life, and I think I've heard that before in like term life and whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the difference there? Okay. So think of term life insurance as. Um, like car insurance or home home insurance where, okay, you get a car, you're paying for a year of car insurance. If you don't crash your car, that money goes to the insurance company and they keep that. Sure. That's what term life insurance is. So you could maybe get 10 or 20 year term. And it's like for a very low amount of money, I can pay for 
like thousand bucks a year or something. And if I die, they're going to give my family $3 million, right? So that's, that's what term life insurance is. Maybe that lasts for 20 years, but if you don't die, then the insurance company keeps all that money, right? Okay. okay. So that's, that's term life insurance. So whole life insurance is like, as you, as the name suggests, it's in place for your whole life. So not just a, not just a term, but there's ways. So what happens with whole life is it, it will build cash value. Okay. So you build up this cash value. Now there's special ways to design life insurance policies that aren't focused on the death benefit as much, but they're focused on building up this cash value really quickly. So we would refer to it as overfunded. What that means is when we put money into these policies, we're trying to minimize the costs as much as possible and maximize the cash that's being built up in the policy mm -hmm. as much as possible. So let's say if I wanted a million dollars of death benefit, they might say of whole life death benefit, they might say, okay, the cost for that is $2,000 a year. Well, I could also by IRS limits, I could put in $10,000 for the same amount of death benefit. Well, why would I do that? Well, that's because I want to grow the cash value portion as quickly as possible. So when we're setting up policies for these type of strategies, what we're not worried about is death benefit. We actually structure it to get as little death benefit as possible, which is confusing because it's called life and you know, it is life insurance. It has death benefit, but it's being structured as a cash, um, a cash accumulation strategy as opposed to oh, I'm, I'm buying life insurance for the death benefit. And it's more with the strategy of overfunding these life insurance policies. It's more like you just kind of get the death benefit that you don't have to pay for in any way. But really, that's not the focus. Really, what we want to do is, is put money into these policies, build cash value right away. And so then we can go leverage that and go invest in, in something that'll get us a high rate of return. Mm. You know, I'll, while you were talking, you're, you're talking about the policies and IRS and Question came to mind, like, you know, being in your field, you know, is it tough trying to keep on top of your game, like knowing all the new like policies, how things are changing year by year, whatever the IRS is putting out, states changing the way they do things. And, and the reason I ask that is just because, you know, you know, I, I CrossFit coach on the side and compete and stuff. But like, you know, when people ask me about nutrition and stuff, like there's always some new diet, new food thing, new fad you're supposed to do. People want to know about it and stuff. And it's, just, you know, it's like, damn, I can't keep up anymore. You know, here, just do this. This, this is what I do. If it's going to work for you, I don't know. But I guess that's my question though. Just like I envy, well, I don't envy people. I'm empathetic towards people who are doing that just because it feels like you got to be on top of your game all the time, you know, and just like when you go start explaining things like this to people that you want to be able to say it proudly and confidently and not just rattle off a few things and hope for the best, you know, does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think I know what you're saying. So in our world, well, let's put it this way. There's like thousands of insurance companies, right? Maybe even tens of thousands. In our world, there's only really a handful of companies that that would specialize or have policies designed for this type of strategy. So one of the things that we kind of do on the back end is we we're doing what you're saying, Chris. We're we're comparing those companies. Like what what companies can produce the most cash value? And frankly, once you kind of figure out what companies those are, um and how, how you can design policies. It's not that hard for us to do that. So these companies come out with, with new products or whatever, maybe every year. And then we just spend some time kind of comparing those. Um, 
it's probably less intense than every single nutrition fad that's come out in the CrossFit <laughs> world. Um, cause I dabble, like I'm, I'm certainly not a professional, you know, um, workout guy by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I even see like on the, I do click on like YouTube videos. Right. And I see these, these things come up all the time. Here's the next, the next, the next, the next. So right. I would rely on someone like you. I'd probably be the annoying guy that'd be like, all right, Chris, what, what do I need to do uh, to take my fitness game to the next level on all these things? And you're like, Hey, stop talking to me. <laughs> just watch, just watch what I do. <laughs> oh man. I don't know about that, but yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess that makes sense though, that exactly what you just said to me and just that, um, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to wrap my head around that just because, you know, when I'm actually clicking on YouTube videos or learning about new things, it's just that, or even, you know, talking with you, I'm just like, oh shit, you know, just got, I have no, you know, like I said, the fifth grade education of what's going on here. But, you know, one thing that I was wanting to know is that, you know, when you start you know, doing these policies or strategies and, you know, we get to a certain money that like, Oh, I feel like I got six figures in my bank account now or whatever in this policy or whatever you want to say, like, when am I able, am I able to take it out whenever I want penalty free kind of going back on what I was talking about earlier, or is this something that, Oh, no, you got to leave it in for two year 61 or 55. Yeah. 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 So the, you have access to it right away. And so you don't have to wait till age 59 and a half. So to your point that, that was what motivated me personally when I was 24 years old. And I was like, okay, I have some money to save. Where am I going to put it? Well, if you put it in, again, the place that most people are, or most places that we're being told to put money, like let's say a 401k, everyone puts money in the 401k, right? right? So with that, to your point, Chris, I can't touch that money until I'm 59 and a half without penalties and then taxes on top of that. Now, Again, that it goes back to the philosophy. Okay, if I'm able to create value elsewhere and I'm going to need money to put, you know, I'm going to need capital to go out and create a rate of return by by investing or creating a business or doing whatever I'm doing, trying, you know, adding more marketing to my business, whatever I'm doing, I need if I need access to capital, I don't I can't that's a bad rate of return for me to be putting my money in a 401k. So for someone if you don't, if you don't have any financial expertise, it might be best just to put your money in there and you know hope it kind of grows over the long term. I think the market would do that. But for someone maybe like myself or who other people who are saying, hey, there's investment opportunities that I want to be able to tap into, they need a place to put money. If you got a hundred thousand dollars sitting in a bank account, yeah, that's gonna start to be like, okay, well, what's inflation right now? Stated seven, eight percent, maybe even more than that. So by having money in these bank accounts, I'm essentially losing seven to eight percent a year of purchasing power. So why don't I shift it into a place where I can get the same type of benefits of the bank account, safety, liquidity, but I can grow my money much quicker than a bank account, and I can access that, you know, at any time. I don't have to pay taxes. So I know that's a long answer to the question, but yeah, the oh. reason that the people are using this strategy is because they have other opportunities that they want to go out and take advantage of and using this as opposed to a bank account is just going to be more profitable. If I can plug, if um, you want to know more about this, I know I'm kind of talking about it here. We do have videos on our our website, which is moneyinsightsgroup.com. And we just have free webinars and other free information that if someone is interested and want to learn more, you can just go check the, check out some of those free resources. If I were to take money out, 
you know, yeah, this is my question. If I were to take money out, do you have to count that as income and then, you know, pay what the tax on that income tax? Does that make sense? Or that's your whatever the year yeah. the income of is what I made for the year. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. And the answer to that is no, you don't. So you can take, so the money grows tax free and then you can take it out tax free. The oh. reason that you can do that is, Remember back to my thought. So if I let's go to hundred, my uh, example. If I have a hundred grand of cash, sure. and I want to go invest in starting a business, an e-commerce business, right? This is what my college professor would do. He's like, okay, I want to go deploy sixty thousand dollars to go buy this e-commerce business. Okay. When that money, so I request what's a, a loan. Okay, so I don't actually withdraw the funds that hundred thousand dollars. The insurance company has my $100,000 sitting in, in cash. And so what they'll do is they'll be like, oh, Blake wants a loan. Chris wants a loan. We'll send him $60,000 of the insurance company's money. So I have taken a loan against that. So loans are not taxed, right? So for instance- This makes sense. Okay, this kind of yeah. goes back to what you said earlier. I'm with you now. Okay. So if you, I mean, if you own a mortgage, you, do you own a home? Yeah, I do. Okay. So when you, do you, do you have a mortgage on that home? I do. When you receive that, those funds for the mortgage, was that taxed? No. The answer was yeah, no. Yeah, right? was, so, yeah. Okay. So let's say you buy a $250,000 home and you get a $200,000 mortgage. That $200,000 that you received for that mortgage, that's not taxed to you. So what the IRS says is, that, okay, the bank just transferred capital from them to Chris. That wasn't a realization of income, right? So that $200,000 you don't have to pay tax on. Well, the same thing's happening with these policies. That's why it's a little bit of a tax hack where I'm never actually withdrawing funds. I just take loans against that. Mm. And so when the insurance company sends me money, it's totally tax-free. So now I can, I, my money's growing tax-free. I can access it tax-free and then deploy it into other investments. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, why, do, why are not more people jumping on board to this compared to traditional, like we, we've been talking about 401ks, you know, like I have a Roth IRA, IRA and my yep. uncle helped me set up and I can't really do anything with it except invest, you know, into it and just hope whatever I'm investing in is, you know, I go for big dividend returns that's kind of on stocks that's kind of my strategy there but i mean just it seems like more people should be jumping on board to this this is not that mainstream is it not cool is it not sexy what is it i think it's well first off well the the, the answer i sometimes like to joke with is because i haven't talked to everybody yet um <laughs> no but but the real answer to that is i think again we're kind of preached this mindset of go to school do well in school get a job what do you do when you get a job? Save money into these accounts, grow those accounts till you're 65, and then hopefully you'll have enough money to 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 retire. At that point, you can, you know, replace your income with these accounts. Could that work? Sure. You know, that might work, but for me, I didn't want to have to wait until I'm 65 to be able to access my money. So I think with the with the internet, some of these strategies have become a lot more popular podcasts like this there's people talking about you know sure. different ways to accumulate wealth so i think over the over the time you know they've started to become you know more popular certain in, certainly in the last decade um so you can find people who are out there kind of promoting it and using it i was fortunate enough just at an early age you know when i was in college to know people who were actually kind of implementing these things said you should take a look at it worked out for me personally. I kind of got passionate about doing it and saw what I could actually accomplish with my own life. And then I've been able to help other people do some of the same things. 
Yeah. Once you start seeing the results from anything, you know, like you, you just said it that too. Okay. This is starting to mean something, you know, once you start seeing your money grow like that. But I mean, I mean, so somebody like me, if I was actually wanting to get into this, I mean, what would you say? Like when I asked like, okay, you know, we've talked about all the good stuff, right. You know, you get your money out, watch it grow. You, you know, you're actually getting more out of it in this thing compared to the stock market. But I mean, what, uh Oh, did you drop on me again? Nope, you're back. Okay. Yep. Okay. I think I dropped out again. But yeah, I mean, so I guess my question is like, what are like for somebody like me? It's like, okay, so we talked about all the good stuff. What are the risks? I mean, that that I would be looking at. So there's not, yeah. So there's there's with this strategy, there's there's really not that many risks. Or frankly, there's there's really no risk in the sense that the money is guaranteed to grow. So where the risk is going to come in is where are you going to deploy that capital after? Right. So again, think of this as, as your bank account on steroids and the risk is then going to come in because you're going to, I'll take it back to this. If you just said, Hey, I'm just going to put money in this as opposed to my Roth IRA, Roth IRA over the long term, I'd say, Hey, that's Chris, that's probably not a good idea, right? Because you probably will very likely grow your money more in the market using whatever type of investing strategy in the Roth IRA than what the cash value of the policy will grow with. What you need to be able to do is then leverage that, take a loan against it, and then go deploy it into other types of assets that are that are going to create higher rates of return. So when you do that, like depending on what you go do on the investment side, um, that's where kind of the risks will will come into play. Mm. So get into one of these policies with you, take it out, and like maybe keep it for into my Roth IRA, just kind of do a loop like that? Well, the the problem with investing into the Roth IRA is that um, you can't, it's not going to create any cash flow, right? So you're, you're putting in money into the Roth IRA. You're right. And then you, you got it. You can't t- touch it out till you're 60. So that's why this strategy doesn't really fit in with that. It's again, if you're investing in businesses, notes, e-commerce companies, real estate's the big one, right? So we're using this strategy in conjunction with anything that people are doing to create cash flow. So think of it, you know, so that those are the type of investment activities that this strategy will propel. So treat it, and I think you said about this earlier, and that it might be finally coming together for me, but I should treat it like a passive income. Yeah, in a way. Yep, started, that, that would be the best. After however long we've been talking, it's finally starting to click with me somehow. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense to me because that and that's one of the things that I've always wanted to get into, didn't know how to get into, you know, what is a good passive income for me to just, you know, like we're just been talking about, just so I can do pay for X, Y, and Z during a month without having to rely on the actual honey hole, you know? There you go. And so that's what, I mean, we do have a podcast. We, you know, we bring on people who are teaching some of the strategies of where you can deploy your capital. Um, you know, you could find that podcast on our website as well. So, so we are kind of building a community of people who are doing those type of things. You know, we probably have over a thousand clients who are actively investing into different types of things who are utilizing this strategy to kind of create additional return onto what they're already doing. So if that's something you're interested, you can always check out our website. Do you, uh, do you kind of just accept one come all, you know, kind of philosophy, just that, uh, I think we talk about high income, high return. I mean, is that you do you have to have a certain income to start investing with you? Or does it you just kind of like, hey, if you want to jump on board, let me give me a talk and we'll figure it out or something like that. Yeah. So uh, 
I mean, what we have found are these strategies are tend to be tend to work better for people who are on that higher income train looking to go build a higher net worth. So our kind of motto is high income to high net worth. Does that mean you have to be a high income earner to to use some of these strategies? No. I mean, I started when I was 25 years old. I wasn't making much money, you know, at that point. Um, so certainly not. It's it's really anyone who's in who's in the alternative investing space wants to create cash flow, passive income is the word you use. If you want to create passive income, uh, some of the stuff that we do is worth checking out. We tend to work with a lot of high income earners. That being said, that's certainly not everybody. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, you might have a little chat here after this when we're off recording because, you know, this is something like I've always wanted to do is like create a steady passive income for me. And, and it's like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, just that because, you know, it's, it's I don't know, maybe it's, I shouldn't say it goes unnoticed, but it's just like, you know, people who just think that, oh, I'll just go home after work and just, watch Netflix and do nothing with my money and just let it sit in my checking account where it's like, Hey, you know, let your money work for you. And that way, yeah. when, uh, you know, like, yeah, I don't know how it is in Michigan, but I think you know, we have to pay personal property tax on our vehicles. And I just got that bill the other day and I was like, damn, you know, right. And it's right in December is when you got to do it. And it's just like, man, you know, this would help benefit something just like that when, you know, it's coming, but you know, I kind of, you kind of forget about it. It stays in the back of your head until you get that bill. And you're like, damn, All right. Well, there's an extra X amount of money for a while, but yeah. So anyway, Cool. And those things just and those things just seem to uh, seem to just keep on coming too. Yeah, always, man, always. But anyway, I know we're getting kind of short on time here, Blake. But uh, college football, real quick. Let's do it. My <laughs> favorite, my favorite topic. <laughs> I wanted to get some uh, thoughts on it. Um, you said you're a Spartans fan earlier, right? Yes. Yeah. What yes. are y'all? Uh, this is October fifth. Are y'all off this week? Uh, no. So we have unfortunately this year. So, okay. So we're on a, we're on a skid right now. We have lost three games in a row and we have the Ohio state Buckeyes coming into Spartan stadium last year. We were down 49 zip at half to Ohio state. So we're, we're praying that this week, that this year is not quite as bad. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I just looked up a schedule for y'all. So, yep. All right, so you have two or three this year, five and mm. I like how you said the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> well, I, yeah, they those guys, man. They yeah, they I, I they've been the know. kings forever. I I try not to. I compare ourselves to everybody but Ohio State. They're on a different level. Yeah, it's a it's a joke when I actually try to get the Ohio State trademark or just a word. Yeah. Whatever, uh, how to, you're a big Virginia Tech fan? Yes or no? Well, try to be. <laughs> okay. Pretty tough this year, right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, uh, I grew up, and I don't know how you were, but I grew up, you know, like an hour from Blacksburg, Virginia. Now I basically live 10 minutes from there. And so it was always just easy to go to the games and stuff like that. And a group of friends go over there, especially in college. You know, I didn't go to Virginia Tech, but the college I went to is another 15 minutes, you know, away. Mm -hmm. We don't have a football team. So that tech was kind of our football team. So, yeah, but um, these last few years, it's been tough, you know, trying to get full for tech. Yeah, but yeah, I try to. I'll say I do, but it's tough. That's the, okay. So. Yeah, I live. I mean, I live like right off campus of Michigan State University, so I just can walk over to the games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a great. There's a lot of tradition, and I love going to college football games. It, you got to be able to, unless you cheer for the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias, the Ohio States. You get, you guys got to be able to ride the waves, yeah, right? That's how it goes. So. The best part about being a Spartan fan is like, okay, yeah, we're not going to win 
big every year, but like last year, you know, we won the peach bowl. We went 11 and two. And when you're on those rise ups, you're beating the university of Michigan. It just, it, it just feels so good because you know, the pain of losing, right? So (laughs) fans of the Ohio state university, they, they can't even, they don't even take joy. I think out of, out of winning the big 10, it's like, if they don't win the national championship, they're disappointed. So I I've embraced being a Spartan fan and not cheering for necessarily, you know, the biggest, baddest university out there. Cause when it, when it, when it starts going your way, it's really fun. Have you always been a Spartan fan? Like growing up, like coming out the womb Spartans, no matter what. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I was born in East Lansing. So I was born and raised in East Lansing, Michigan. Um, so have always been able to walk to, walked to campus, went to every probably football and basketball game pretty much my whole life. So always loved the Spartans, always hated uh, the Michigan Wolverines and uh, also went to a small school who, you know, who didn't really, I mean, we had a football team, but it's division three. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's totally different. So Uh, I was at a wedding this past weekend and that, you know, I was talking with one guy, he works for capital one and that he seems to be like a, one of these people who love, well, he is one of these people who loves betting on the sports or betting on okay. what I said, betting on the yeah. sport, betting on football or betting on really anything you can. Are you one of those type people too? I, I got into it for a while. Then I was like, well, I got started sucking. So <laughs> yeah, I don't need an extra reason to care. So that, that was more it. So I, I'm married. I'm married. I have three kids. I've like tried to cut out watching unnecessary sports. Um, I mean, Cause I'm, I, I have to do that. I, I love watching college football, college basketball. Um, and then I'm as into the games as I need to be without having any money on it. So for me, betting on sports never really made sense. I'm not a hater on it. Some of my friends really enjoy doing it, but uh, no, I've, I have not dabbled in those streets as much. I got to remember exactly what you said. I don't need another reason to care. Just because, you know, <laughs> I'd be betting on random games, trying to get a yeah. or whatever. And you wouldn't believe how much, you know, you're into these games. Yeah. Like, yeah. You couldn't even name one player on the team barely, but yeah, maybe that's just me. Maybe everyone else who can, who did their homework and all that good stuff. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think more people are doing what you're doing than uh, actually have researched. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so easy too with, you know, I know we're getting kind of, we're kind of getting off sound tangents here, but you know, like DraftKings and FanDuel, where they say like, "Ooh, bet up to two hundred dollars risk free" and something like that. So it's just so easy, especially from your phone. Like, okay, I got this, no problem, man. So let me take a chance. But anyway, but uh, yeah, cool. Well, Blake, I don't want to waste any more your time though. But uh, cool, man. I uh, appreciate you being here again. If you want to plug uh, anything, people want to find you, your services, all that good stuff. Feel free to do that. Yeah. So if you want to learn more, you can go to moneyinsightsgroup.com. And we have really tried to pride ourselves on always creating some good content that people can consume. So if you ever have any questions, I'd go to those, check out some of the webinars that we have. And then of course we have a call link. If you have interest, you can feel free to reach out uh, and let me know and take a listen to our podcast, which is the Money Insights Podcast. Cool. Well, Blake, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, talking with me teaching me a few things and uh yeah you're a badass too man appreciate it all right chris appreciate it man good night everybody
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 